episode of Real Talk with Bella. I am extremely excited to have you because we're going to be talking about um, some really important issues which we've been tackling uh, over the past few weeks uh, with regards to um, the racial war that we are um, in. On, not that it just started, but that we've been in right. forever. Uh, as always, I am joined by Bella's publisher, Jennifer DeSillis. Um, and Dr. Joy is joining us today. Uh, I will let you speak for yourself because you have so many <laughs> accolades. Um, we were like, who introduces who? Like, let's just let <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, thank you, you guys. Well, I'm just so excited to hang out with you and you both are just women full of purpose. So I know the discussion we have today is going to be good. Um, but I am a success coach and a motivational speaker, diversity inclusion consultant, but I'm my greatest pride and joy wife uh, next month of 13 years. I'm like, oh my goodness. And thank you. I feel like in this day and age, 13 years is like 50, you know, right? So I'm going to be married 15 years this year. I feel you. <laughs> right? I'm like, all yeah, right. It's like, and we'll look at each other. We're like, can you believe we're here? Can you believe it? Seriously. Yeah. So I, you know, I take great pride in, in being his wife. And we are raising two awesome children, Maxwell and Michaela. They're nine and seven. So they keep us on our toes. And so I help my clients just live a life full of love um, and to be able to get whatever it is that you want. So whether it's in life, or in business, your love life, whatever it is, I can help you gain that. Well, you're, you're, I mean, we've been um, interviewed by Steve Harvey. You've been- Yes, uh, recently on the OWN with Iyanla Van Zandt, which was an amazing opportunity. My, my other mother, um, <laughs> I, yes, um, because we love her. I had actually had the opportunity to meet her um, incredibly cleaning up the office today. Uh, my, one of my assistant brought me the box from, uh, live your best life weekend with, uh, own. And I'm like, Oh, oh yeah. So many memories. <laughs> I actually had the opportunity to meet Iyanla there and it was just, um, she's just as fire. She's even more so in person than she is on television. So um, yeah, it was an amazing experience, but let's get really to, uh, the core of this conversation. Um, uh, because one of the topics that you talk about, uh, and that you tackle is race relations. And I think that we're at a point in time where we all, we know that there is, that the issue is present. We know that um, the conversations are happening, uh, but I also feel like there's still this standstill of, okay, but what do we do with all of this information, all this learning that we've done? How do we really improve the conversation between races, um, how do we even begin to do that? Good, good point. And I think at this point, people get overwhelmed, whether you are a part of the Black community or not. So much information we're all bombarded with, and it can be extremely overwhelming, especially when you have a great heart and you do want to help, and you're looking around and you're like, there seems like there's just so many different ways. How do I start? What does that look like? For me on a daily basis and so i talk to a, a lot of people and the first thing we always have to remember is that it's a marathon it's not a sprint so it's not going to be like this quick magic potion you know step one two three and bam you know systemic oppression boom it's gone you know like it, it has to be something where we know we're in it for the long haul so i think first when we shift our mindset and we have that perspective it can help us not to get too overwhelmed because it's like hold on 
We're not expecting to have every single answer and, you know, question answered overnight. We're not expecting every policy to be changed tomorrow, but let's start putting these different plans in place. And so I always tell people first with your sphere of influence, because we all have our own sphere, whether you have a blue check next to your name or not, you are an influence of someone. So thinking about that sector, how can you use your talents to help in systemic racism, whether it's in a boardroom, and you realize that someone who deserves to have equal treatment is not, you know, their voice is not being heard and you being an ally and standing up for them. Or it could be when you realize that you're in a, a, a boardroom and just certain people that should be appointed, that it's not represented fairly. So it's depending on whatever your sphere of influence is. It could be even be the PTA. Yeah. And you're looking around like, wait a minute, this doesn't fairly represent our community. TA like a bullet every single time because I just don't I refuse to engage I refuse to make the cook I'm like I'm not the, I'm not that mom I know I say I'm more stat the school advisory council because I'm like PTA I can't do all the cutesy stuff I know yeah and, and like the PTA is just a, it, that's like for another show all on all, all on its own that could um, be a reality show oh really <laughs> Mm-hmm. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Moms of the PTA. That, yes. Um, but that was going to be my next question because I think that a lot of what we're seeing is this unrest within our own spheres, right? You're, you're saying like we each have our own sphere of influence. Yes. And I am seeing a lot of discord and um, just, you know, relationships that we thought we had because again this this stuff was like really not being talked about and even as you were talking i remembered a conversation that i had with someone uh, a few years ago you know why is it that when we say black people are like mm-hmm like, when you say any like, color white it's like like, 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 like we're, we're not even willing to say it and then i remember talking to one of my team members like, last week and she was asking me questions you know well how do i address um this topic and I said you actually you literally say women of color people mm -hmm. of color black people like you have to call it what it is because exactly because we haven't just been I mean we're not like we're not insulting so I mean I don't feel insulted when I'm considered a, you know when I'm considered or being talked to as a person of, that's I am like right it's how you identify <laughs> who you are I am right <laughs> so um but how do we, um, I guess, with mindfulness, with tact, because I think that that's where a lot of the disagreements are coming from or the discomfort is coming from that we feel like even if we want to ask a question, we're going to be like, you know, vandalized or attacked because we, we're just willing to understand. Even on social media, like we see it um, every single day. Oh my God, if I even make a comment, um, already people are thinking that I am X, Y, or Z. How do you be, how do you start that? How do you start there? Yeah, I think definitely there, we're in a, a time and age where you have to be careful with the medium and the mode of communication. So every conversation is not meant for social media. Right. So there's lots of things that I see online and I'm like, really? That's what you post? <laughs> Seriously? And I want to just go in, you know, what they call those Twitter fingers. You just want to go in. <laughs> <laughs> then, right. But then I realized, what's my objective? If my objective is to educate, if my objective is to equip and enlighten someone, this is not going to be the mode to go about that, you know? Um, so I think we just have to use tact and mindfulness in knowing exactly, is this the proper channel of communication for this dialogue? 
Is this something that should be over the phone? A text message, meeting up in person with mask on now, you know, like we, we, we have to think about those things first. Um, and then I think we have to lead with humility. As people, we don't like to be uncomfortable. We don't like to see our sin. We don't like to see the areas of growth and areas of improvement. So I think in order to move forward, all sides have to walk in humility. You have to be able to have someone show you something that you've done wrong in order for you to ever even look at anything from a different perspective. You have to go into that open, you know, with openness and humility. So that's important. It's, it's funny that you, because what you were talking about um, literally just happened to me and as a company really? with cancel culture and everything that um and and the mediums of communication someone posted someone something in a group um that was about one of my team members and um within a matter of minutes i someone who knew me tagged me in the post so obviously i read it and i'm sitting there and this is a group that has over like twenty thousand people in it so obviously it was visible Every, anything that you really post in that group um is and it's all like media pr people uh so it's it, it begs the question i was like oh my god oh my god oh my god like what is happening um but the person who posted it when i eventually ended up because i was on her i was like girl you are going to talk to me today like i want to know what is happening i want to know what's going on um because if you posted it then you have to be prepared to back up whether it's actions yeah, be accountable. because mm -hmm. i think that's where a lot of these um you know, conflicts are happening is like, you know, people that like you said, Twitter fingers, we, I address them as uh, keyboard warriors, you know, cause that's been like <laughs> the term. Um, people feel they can just go on social media, say whatever they want, and then like close their laptop or shut off their phone and like, it's going to disappear. No, no, no. You said it. Mm -hmm. Let's yeah. It needs to be accountability. Travel. Correct. It's such a thin line too, because we're so blessed to have this medium, right? Where we can get all this information out so quickly. And I think that's why right. so many people are mobilizing today and talking about things that maybe they didn't, you know, X amount of years ago. But at the same time, it's also very quick to throw hate in there. Oh, and no. you opinions. And, and it's like, I want to use this for good. Yeah. But sometimes you have the people that just want to spew hate or try to change opinions or aren't really that educated on the matter. And then they're getting their voices in there. And it's like, how do we bring this back to neutral where we can talk and discuss there's a business there's a business term where they talk about speaking to the middle like you have three types of employees you know so you always got like those super high high performing employees always willing to go above and beyond then you have the ones just right there in the middle you know just kind of run of the mill but if you give them the resources if you give them what they need they can have that potential to do really well and kind of be like the high performing and then you have your bottom feeders where it's kind of like, no matter what you tell them, no matter how many incentives or trainings you offer, they are just, you know, accustomed to just doing the bare minimum. But I feel like that's how it is even with people online. Yeah. So I look at it, it's like, is it even worth me engaging? This is someone, no matter what I tell them, they have already made their mind up to be negative. Yeah. There are, you know, so if, if it's someone like that, I'm not, that's lower level vibrations. I'm not gonna focus on them. I'm gonna focus on the people who are in the middle who are like, hey, I just, I've been misinformed. I'm open to learning. Yeah. Like those are the people that we want to concentrate our attention on. The lower level, the bottom feeders who just want to continue to be sucked into negativity. I don't have time for you. Those are the ones that get the block button. You're like, block. <laughs> <laughs> Boop. 
literally went like on a block block bench this weekend. I was just like, I went down like a line, and I just blocked. You have to for your mental health, also. It's important. Nobody got time for this conversation right now. And and the thing is, um, to the point of uh, you know the accountability factor. When I eventually ended up speaking to this person over the phone. you know, she retracted her behavior. She was like, I probably should have sat with this information a little bit longer before I went on and posted it. And then I was then dealt that card. Okay, well, what do I do with this moment right now? Because in my head, I'm trying, and I know this is going to sound obnoxious, but I'm literally working on any experience that I have for it to be a teachable experience for someone, Mm -hmm. because it's not just for them, but it's also for me. Because as the owner of a company, right, I have to set an example and we have to set a standard. And I would just want that if I'm confronted with something similar, again, people would afford me the same courtesy, like, oh my God, you know what? I messed up. I'm so sorry. Uh, I probably should have, you know, not done that there. I probably should have reached out to you privately or found out, you know, what happened here. And then I was tasked with the cleanup of that, right? Because at the Mm -hmm. end of the day, you know, I have no issue with confronting um, a situation wherever I'm, I'm always like, let's hit it. Trust me. My life has taught me that um, I, I am prepared for war. That's all, all right now. <laughs> I am prepared. Exactly. I am prepared for war. <laughs> However, I always believe that in the, and at the, for as much as we can battle it out, cause I've battled it out with people, you know, in, in a conversation and a discussion, at the end of the day, we are people and we deserve, if anything, we deserve from each other is compassion and just empathy and no, because mm-hmm. again, if it, we were in those shoes, we would want to be afforded the same courtesy. That's always like, I always say that. I was like, if you were there and you messed up, you would want someone to just say, you know what? It's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, let's, let's move on. And yeah. this topic of race though, it's so it's so delicate, but at the same time, I think that we, I know that I myself as a person of color, I'm over the deli- like the, the delicateness of it. I want to move on. I want to move forward. And I want people to stop with, you know, I guess with the sugar coating, right? And like, let's take action. Okay, so what are we gonna do about it? And let's like, you know, and we had this conversation right. with Cindy, um, Cindy Gallup a few weeks ago, where it was like, you know, companies stop making statements, stop, stop putting out, you know, these grandiose statements and just do something about it. If you're going to be diverse and inclusive, take action in that space and actually hire diverse and, you know, diverse, diverse people in your company so that there is a representation of what that looks like. Exactly. And I think we have to have our demands. It's important that as people, and that's what I've been talking to the black community about is like now, like you said, people are hurt. Everyone is aware of the racial discrimination that's going on. So now let's go ahead and put plans in place. What does that look like with changing our educational system to be more equitable and fair for our black families and communities? Now let's think about in corporations, to your point, making sure that you have an adequate, fair representation of minorities and people of color in place. But it takes now us holding people accountable to it. I I even do it, um, sometimes I go on our local Fox News station, and when this started to arise, they reached out to me, and they they do that often. They were like, can you come on and talk about bullying? Yeah. And But it was very general. And I'm like, are we not watching the same uh, TV? Are we not... (laughs) 
<laughs> bullying? Are you kidding me? Do you really think right now that I'm going to come on and just only talk about bullying? Yeah. So I gave it, but I, I held them accountable. Yeah. I wrote them an email and I said, given our climate right now in our country, I cannot in good faith go on any network and talk about bullying and not talk about the racial discrimination that's in our, you know, going on right now. And I said, now, if that is something that you want to discuss, then I'm more than happy to put a segment together with that. And they did. Yeah. They, we, right. Right. Well, and, and but it takes us having to, we have to speak up and we have to, and then also we have to be anti-racist and make sure we're speaking up on other behalf. So, cause being silent is the same thing as being complicit. So can you talk about what does that actually look like being anti-racist? I know that there's a lot of, um, I mean, I've seen obviously how to not be a racist is one of the books that has been like topping the charts over the past month already. Cause mm -hmm. incredibly, I mean, I know it's hard to keep track of time in quarantine. Seriously. I, I can't. I, I, I only know tomorrow's my birthday. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is your birthday? Tomorrow. Oh, for, a minute, for a minute, for a minute, it, I didn't know what month it was, but, um, how do you, actively engage in those actions of you know without it becoming i think you know because i think what again people don't i think the confrontation is what people are afraid of right i think that right. people don't want to be um, but that's the part where i tell people they have to get over that part because if you're afraid of confrontation imagine how the people feel where they're fearing if they're going to die every day just because they go outside being black so right. it's kind of like we've got to grow up you know, we, we've got to rip, you know, it's time to take the training wheels off. Yeah. Like we have to get to that place. I kept hearing too in the beginning when everyone started talking about it and it was becoming normal to talk about, it was like, well, just because I'm not speaking out about it doesn't mean I'm racist. You know, that was everyone's. Right, right. Well, just because I'm not saying something doesn't mean I'm racist. It just means I'm not talking about it. Correct. But what do you say to those people? You have to start talking about it. Right. And I tell them the opposite of being racist is being anti-racist. There's no like middle ground, you know, there's no like little safe bungalow where you're like, no, I'm not racist. I'm just kind of chilling over here. We're <laughs> observing the scene. I'm kind of inclusive. I'm kind yeah. Of I'm like, no, no, no. Treat people right. But I'm not going to do anything about it, you know. And you, you think <laughs> you think about any great leader of our time, you know, they're, they're known for sacrifice. It takes sacrifice to be loving. And we forget that part. It takes sacrifice to be kind. So that means you're going to have to be willing to disrupt your normalcy in order to help someone else. That's what it means to be an anti-racist. So I'm, that's why I go back to think about your sphere of influence. What are those points of contact that you go to on a normal basis, whether it's your job, or the same Target that you always go to, the same Starbucks that you go to, start paying attention to your surroundings and seeing, are, is there equitable and fair treatment? Just first in my sphere, right there. Because before, you're, sometimes you're in a bubble. We only, we're just thinking about ourselves. There could literally, right there in your community, be issues going on that you're just not even aware of because, you know, for the most part as people, we're just thinking about ourselves. Yeah. So we start to open our eyes and look around just right there in the neighborhood you may find things that you can be a part of to help other people of color and black people as well you know it's interesting that you're saying that because i participated um i think it was two or three weeks ago in the first protest ever in my area it had never happened so like i felt like i was walking on cloud nine because i was like oh my god this is history i'm like walking <laughs> into history right now 
because I live in a bubble. I do. I live in a community that is um, very safe. Uh, I literally live like three blocks from a police station. So like you're like, if, if something happens in my, it's not to say that it doesn't happen, but it doesn't happen. Not even, I can even say like once a month or something happening because there's not, I mean, police officers in my, in my community are literally picking up stray dogs. Like that's, you know, or dogs that escape their house because that's what's happening. Yeah. And that, cause I got a ticket cause my dog. <laughs> and see, look at that. you are part of history <laughs> <laughs> but we we um a, a young resident uh actually just you know a college student for the first time um historically she's like it's unbelievable that and we actually spoke to her uh for an episode of, of the podcast as well because it it obviously you don't start to realize it until you are seeing it kind of happen, right? And when um, the whole movement started, I was just taken aback because I've done what you what you were talking about. You know, when, every year when the school starts, I look around my sphere and I look around my children's classrooms and I try to pinpoint who looks like me here so that I can connect mm-hmm. with that. Um, and there's not that many. Like, I, I, I'm not even gonna lie. I've been living in this area for eight years and um if my kids have encountered um because i'm married to a white man so my kids are white (laughs) they they look really white um but i'm not and it's always been that i think that um it's kind of like that little you know nudge in my heart like oh my god but because i have always wanted to raise my children understanding that this bubble that they live in is not the world right that there is um, so much, and it's so broad, so much more broader than, but I actively try to engage with the few people of color that are in my community so that number one, they don't feel alone, but also it's also in, in, in a way, so I don't feel like I'm the, the lone ranger, you know, in the school system. Um, and I seek them out and I seek them out and I, and I try to engage and make friends. And I do that, um, conscientiously every school year, but then what happens when, you literally have to make an effort for there to be, you know, engagement with an array of, like a multicultural, because uh, there isn't. And, and, and it's not that the school doesn't do it, but it's, you know, representing, you know, in Black History Month isn't enough when there's literally two Black kids in school. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's right. not, I, I don't think it's enough. Um, but what do you do? I'm, yeah, and that's when, we're not moving anytime soon, just so you know. You're so silly. No, don't move. Don't move. If you love where you are, stay. But I think it's important to get your children like involved in community outreach projects and initiatives where it takes them outside of their normal uh, radius mm-hmm. and they're able to see other communities, see the way that other people live. And it helps them to see, oh my gosh, all of this is reality. So it opens up their perspective and it increases their gratitude too. So it helps them to appreciate things and they're able to meet different people of all different races, ethnicities, when you do different types of community projects. So that's big. And then I think another thing to do also is just, we have to be in control 
of our history and the things that our ed, that our kids are learning. So I'm a big proponent on that. I used to be a school counselor and an educator before I have my my business. So oh. I get it. I taught. <laughs> okay, because I love so I love the kids. I love the baby. I, I do too, and I always find myself like, what are we doing about the kids? Like what about the kids. Doing? Yeah, because the kids they are our future. They turn into us one day. So we have to protect them and make sure that they're nurtured. And so I thought about how especially in the black community, we were, I, I, I think we had to do a, a, do a better job of not relying on mainstream America to teach our kids what they need to know about themselves. Yeah. Like it doesn't even sound right. It's like, they don't know, yeah. we know. So we need to take charge and make sure that we're teaching ourselves, our, our own. But I think even for everyone, this is important. I was just talking to one of my white friends yesterday. She purposely sat down with her white son and read a book to him about black girls' hair textures and different things like that. But just opening to different cultures so that when he meets people from other different races or ethnicities, he has a better understanding of how they look, how maybe they view the world, how they feel. So she's been more intentional with her book selection. So I think that's a great idea for parents to do, you know, pick up books from different nationalities culture, especially right now with the black community, having white, Hispanic, and other um, races of color learning about black culture as well. Because black history is American history. It's yeah. all it's all together, you know? And so- I that you mentioned the hair. Um, because, yes. Because I, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm Dominican. I and my my uh, my grandmother is of Haitian descent. Um, mm -hmm. Does your neighbors? Yeah, exactly. So um, <laughs> my my grandfather's Spanish, and on my mom's side, you had like a cross of something of some sort. Also, um, and Dominican like Dominican race is really not one because I my mom is actually white with green eyes, and my dad was what we refer to as a mulatto, which is a white and a black person coming together and creating that. Uh, all that to say that I had an epiphany this moment, and, and it's sad to say, but I'll, I'll acknowledge it. I had never let my hair dry naturally in front of my kids, ever. Yeah. And I had a moment when my son um, looked at me with wet hair and as it was drying and it curled, he was like, what's wrong with your hair? And I looked at him and I'm like, this is, and it looks so much better, by the way. It looks so good. Not that this, this is bad, but it this, looks so good. I, and I stood there and I'm like, this is my hair. What do you mean? What's wrong with my hair? He's like, yeah, but it's always straight. And I'm like, huh. And, I, and it took me a minute to understand that if anyone is doing the damage of that perception, it's me. Mm -hmm. So I have made it a point to every week now, as much as I hate it, it's not, and that, just because it's, you know, it's like a lot. <laughs> it's like a lot. Yeah. Um, but... I have made it a point so that he sees me and I'm like, yeah, hair looks different and there's different types of hair texture and it will dry differently depending on what you put in it and how you do it and whatever. But it took me, I mean, he's 11 and that's my oldest son. My little one doesn't care because he's just like, my, my little one is, a, that's, that's for another reality show. No, trust own. me, I understand. I told you mine are 79. I get it. I know. <laughs> But it took me, it took me for a loop because I was, I had to have like that conversation with myself. Like, oh my God, why haven't I done this? Like what? And it wasn't even something that I thought about consciously before, but immediately I understood how this would shift his perception of women in the future of hair, just in general. 
I mean, the I would beauty, hope. The perception and, of beauty and what beauty, beauty is. Thing. And beauty. My, so, yeah, my grandfather is Middle Eastern and they have that like really tight curly hair. And my mm -hmm. mom's hair is like that. And it's beautiful when she lets it dry naturally and puts some product in it, but she straightens it every day. And <laughs> when she does it natural, it's so pretty. And I'm like, let those curls out, they're so yeah. cute. Yeah. But a lot of that too are scars from society. And this is something that happens all over the world. Women all the way, you know, in Japan, they do the same thing. They think the lighter mm -hmm. that their skin is and the prettier they are, or the straighter that your hair is, you know, then the more beautiful that you are. And I that's why, huh? You said <laughs> what? Convenience for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I don't like hair on my face. So when it's curly, like, I, you know, it's like in there. So I had to, but I, with, with regards to beauty, um, you know, I, I don't think we really understand how li even little things like that can really have, make such a big impact. Because my daughter, my daughter, the school that she attends, it's 50% uh, white and half Hispanic. And so she's the only, there's not too many girls at her school who have her texture of hair. And she's gone through that. And it can be very traumatizing when a little boy, and he doesn't mean any harm by it. He's just yeah, like, he's asking a question. He's just like yeah. oh what's that you know but saying it in a way like something's weird when i'm like nothing is weird so now anytime like when i wash your hair and i'm conditioning <laughs> it i get real dramatic i'm like oh your curls are so beautiful i'm like oh these curls and i'm stretching them out you know and putting it into the ponytail I'm like oh my gosh i love your curls so much because i know when she goes to school that's not being affirmed just because that's not their norm you know but that goes to the point of if we can be intentional about educating ourselves and our family on different cultures, then it can help us to be more respectful, to be more mindful, and to just have more empathy when we're communicating with other people. Yeah. No, mm -hmm. I, I really, it, it took me um, a minute to just like understand, like, and to just come to terms with that with myself, right? Like, why haven't I done this? Like, why yeah. haven't I accepted that this is- That's you know, powerful part of me and that's what Oprah calls those aha moments yeah and and, and now I, you know I had my little moment and I cried a little bit I was like oh my god what have I done to myself and like what have I done to my kids and like not teaching them this part of me which essentially is also a part of who they are so um but yeah we've had some really um interesting conversations and I think that's what this whole moment in time is really about to unpack right to discuss to allow the hurt to be felt to be vulnerable to allow each other um to you know be at fault with each other and it still be listen i get it you know you didn't know any better or you didn't know anything differently but now you know that when you make comments like xyz it mm -hmm. you know affects um me and it affects me because of that you know this or that if it's a racial thing or if it's even if it's a gender thing um but yeah we need i think that that's if anything this moment in time is teaching us that it's okay to um you know be vulnerable to have these very difficult conversations because i know it's actually showing us this is the norm and how much we haven't been doing that correct that's why i really feel like so much of this is just so spiritual i really mm -hmm. believe our world as a whole has been hurting yeah. the way that we treat each other how much we value the dollar over a human life yeah. in all aspects there's just so many different areas i feel like the world has gotten to a place i mean can you imagine a global pandemic and dealing with systemic racism all at the same time in one year it's the world is sick the world said enough enough is enough 
you have work to do. Let's we. It, I feel like we're getting back to basics. Yeah. You know, this is how you treat people. This is what it means to be equitable and fair and just and kind. Like we're going back to just the basics on how you treat people. And it takes being vulnerable. Yeah. It takes being honest. It takes yeah. admitting you're wrong, like to your and point. And accountability. And, and, and you mentioned yep. dollar. And, I, and I'm going to go back to that because um, the Redskins yesterday just announced yes. changing their name. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting to see how they had quoted the owner saying that they would never, never, never change their name however when fedex okay when that money got funny and well we're not well we're not giving you any money anymore they were like okay let's i could change the name (laughs) no problem (laughs) like that we was out of fries you know like it's like yeah but that is the sickness of our country because that was what our country was founded upon it was founded upon greed that's how slavery all came to be it's founded upon money 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 and we'll do whatever it takes to do what make more money you know and so that's why it took what money to get his attention not love not treatment of people not human life money so that's why i say right now i feel like the world is like oh i'm sick right now (laughs) (laughs) we had that the other day too how do you fix everything that's going on complete and utter chaos yeah everything you break down to start up all over again yes it is yes a true dismantling that's what we need that is exactly different systems i I think it's happening and i think um the more that we continue to have um you know conversations like this uh hold people to their word hold people accountable to their actions bring you know bring it back up like oh no 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 this is what you said uh, so, right, I got receipts. Here are my receipts. <laughs> the conversation I had yesterday, I was like, screenshot that. I got it on a screenshot and yep. you said it. You can't take, you know, like. You I'm so petty because I know sometimes people are going to delete it because I'm like, now you know you weren't supposed to post that. And then sure enough, later I'm like, see, they deleted it and I still got the screenshot. I'm so I was having literally a conversation yesterday about the whole thing debacle that happened and I was, and I told the person, um, that was involved in like the whole thing. I said, listen, I'm going to give you one piece of advice. Keep your receipts. Because literally an email that was sent months ago, because I kept it and I have it and I, you know, screenshot that conversation is literally what got me out of a very difficult situation. And yes. unfortunately, like I, I am not that type of person where I am literally grilling you until you give me what I want. I always try to find a way um, for there to be like an amicable resolution to whatever the type of conversation is that we're having. However, if I have to pull out the receipts, right. You know what? I got them. Cause I got them. Right. We have to be ready. <laughs> That's it. That's it. What's your hope? Uh, because obviously we're, um, our summer issue is all about hope and, uh, our cover story is, um, all about, you know, letters of hope actually to the future. What, what do you, what is your hope for, um, our future and what all of this is bringing to fruition for all of us because it's not just us in the united states this is like across the world that this is all happening my hope is that uh this world can get back to community get back to caring about people truly the essence and i feel like when you do that then whatever talents resources gifts that you possess you're going to be 
diligent in using them responsibly, right? When, when you have a heart for people, you're gonna use your resources right. So I just feel like my hope my, is that we'll get back to the heart of humanity. And I, and I believe then no matter what level you're at, no matter what sphere of influence you're in, if you have a heart for humanity, you're gonna make great decisions, you know, that'll continue to heal our nation, whether it's in the education system, whether it's with law enforcement, um, whether it's in politics, whether it's in medicine, what, you know, whatever your influence is, you're gonna use it in the right way to help people. So I'm, I'm, that's what I'm hopeful of, that people will get back to the heart of humanity. That's amazing. How can people learn more about you, the work that you do? How can people find you? Thank you. So I'm a social junkie. I'm like always online. So please follow me at, at the Dr. Kita Joy. So D-R-K-E-I-T-A-J-O-Y. Um, you can also go to my website, kitajoy.com. I have a free success blueprint. So if you want like all the quick little deets on how you can just have a more successful life, you can just download it for free. I have a free online success course as well. And then I'm even doing a project for Black families right now, where it is a free digital resource for Black boys and girls, and it teaches them about their Black history, knowing their rights, conflict uh, resolution, building up your confidence. Like It's amazing. And it's like different Black professionals just serving in this way, full of different resources and all that's on the website as well at keytojoy.com. Thank you so much for talking Yay. to me today. I had fun. It was so much fun. Yes. Really